otherwise known as man's best friend, a phrase used to refer to the millennia-long history of close relations, loyalty, friendship and companionship with humans. The UK in particular is often self-categorised as a nation of dog lovers. Big, small, fluffy or trim, there's a dog out there for everyone. But what if I told you that a firm, family favourite breed of dog was bred on a mass puppy mill-like scale for the experimentation purposes of the vivisection industry? On location in Witten, Cambridgeshire, thousands of beagles are bred every year to fulfil experimentation purposes. Beagles are forced to produce litter after litter in barren cages whilst puppies are confined to these cages until they reach around 12 weeks, when they are shipped off to labs to be experimented on and die. The Home Office does not collect or allow the public to know any information on the procedures, statistics and welfare standards of what goes on inside the Cambridgeshire facility. All we have is undercover camera footage from protesters and the knowledge that if the government would rather not talk about it, then there's one thing we know from history. It's that the government avoidance implies something very sinister is going on indeed. This time, we take a closer look into the vivisection industry and put animal experiments under a magnifying glass. What are the welfare standards? Why are we testing? What are we testing for? And what is the future for the animal testing industry? And how can we eventually be in a society where places like MBI Acres no longer have to exist? There is a place that is hidden out of sight Where the beagles suffer and no one sees their light Episode 3. What is the vivisection industry? Each year inside Britain's laboratories, around 3 million animals are experimented on. Every 8 seconds, one animal dies. Cats, dogs, mice, guinea pigs, rabbits, monkeys and other animals are used to test new products, to study human disease and develop new drugs. They are even used in warfare experiments. They are part of what is known as the vivisection industry. Vivisection literally means the cutting up of a live animal. However, dictionary definitions have been revised over the years, and this term has become a more general label for all types of animal experiments. The terms vivisection and experiments were thus used in an interchangeable way until around the mid-1980s, in addition to words like procedures. Then, when the government revised the legislation on animal experiments in 1986, a new formal description was introduced into the legislation, procedures. This term can be used to cover both scientific procedures on animals, which are not strictly an experiment, as well as experimental tests. The reason for the different terminology is that an experiment is usually defined as something where the outcome or effects on the animal would not be known, whereas a procedure takes in all those uses of animals where the results on the animal can be predicted. For example, toxicity testing, 
breeding animals with harmful genetic defects, maintenance of tumours, and so on. Many argue that all of these animals used in the vivisection industry are not only suffering the psychological distress of being locked up in cages, but also the severe pain and discomfort from cruel procedures performed on them. In secrecy, inside labs all over the world, animals are reportedly burnt, blinded, mutilated, some with their limbs deliberately broken, they are force-fed products with chemicals dripped into their eyes, deliberately infected with disease, and so much more. We do to other animals things that we would find abhorrent if we did to each other. And we have to ask ourselves, why is it that we don't do these things to each other? Because from a scientific perspective, we can learn a lot more, a lot more quickly and have far greater benefits for ourselves if we use people, for example, in all the experiments we're doing now in other animals. We don't do those things to other people because they have certain values, certain traits that we want to protect. And my argument is that other animals, particularly mammals and, for example, non-human primates, have exactly the same traits. And we cannot do things to them that we're not willing to do to ourselves. Campaigners say the law exempts abuse of animals in laboratories and vivisectors are given a pass to get away with severe animal neglect and cruelty in the name of science. The fundamental flaw of animal-based research is that each species responds differently to drugs and chemicals. Therefore, results from animal tests are unreliable as a means of predicting likely effects in humans. This is where the argument to end animal testing finds solid ground, as it is argued that the tests and procedures are the three U's, unreliable, unethical and unnecessary. Did you know that more than 95% of drugs that advance to human clinical trials following promising animal tests ultimately fail in humans? Many of these failures happen because medications that were safe in animals were found to be toxic in humans, and others because drugs that worked in animals simply weren't effective when it came to human trials. The differences between species have shown time and again that animals are poor models for human diseases and for drug and safety testing. Human diseases and human responses to drugs and other chemicals can and should be studied in human-relevant systems. According to the Home Office, over 2.8 million procedures involving living animals were carried out in Great Britain in 2020. The use of two species in regulatory testing is a legal requirement, with dogs most commonly used as the second species. In 2014, the majority of regularity tests involving dogs were repeated dose toxicity tests, which are used to determine whether continuous exposure to a substance, such as a potential medicinal product, becomes poisonous over a prolonged period. In such tests, dogs may be injected or fed drugs and chemicals and are then observed for signs of adverse effects. These effects can include vomiting, internal bleeding, organ damage, seizures, and even death. Unfortunately, these tests commonly last for several months, and afterwards the dogs are usually euthanized so that an autopsy can be carried out. 
In 2018, the National Anti-Vivisection Society called on the Home Office to urgently tackle the growing number of incidents involving researchers and their staff in British laboratories who failed to provide animals with their most basic needs, like food and water, which results in suffering and death. Findings were published in the Animals and Science Regulation Unit's annual report. They found that incidents had increased from 14% in 2014 to 20% in 2017. In one incident, two mice from a group of 10 were found dead in their cage, the other animals showing signs of dehydration. In another incident, the license holder failed to arrange adequate cover while on leave for 17 days, and during which 48 mice were recovering from procedures that had been carried out on them. A number of mice died or were subsequently killed due to the poor planning. Other disturbing incidences of non-compliance noted in the report included a monkey who died after becoming trapped in a restraint cage, the staff failing to check the cage mechanism and that no animal was present before operating the handle, 13,200 extra mice being bred than was allowed by the license holder because they misunderstood the project license, a wild-caught animal who was killed after they would not eat and no interventions were made when the animal became ill due to poor communication in the lab. A rat who was killed at the end of a procedure using carbon dioxide to suffocate the animal, after which their neck was broken, placed in the freezer, and a member of staff found the animal still alive 40 minutes later. 200 baby mice were decapitated over a period of two years by staff who did not have the authority to do so. And in another incident, during transportation, two boxes containing mice fell out of the side door of a van onto a public highway. The mice escaped with 12 animals recaptured and killed due to their contact with the outside world, while three were never found. There has been controversies surrounding animal testing for decades with the main argument for tests continuing to be that animals are instrumental in testing medicines to cure many diseases that affect humankind. However, even tests for what some describe as the greater good come with their own questionable ethics. In 2019, a German lab was closed due to the procedures it was inflicting on monkeys. The tests were described as barbaric and it was apparent that they clearly breached EU standards on animal welfare, campaigners said. For years, a nondescript building near Hamburg has been the target of animal rights activists. It's one of Germany's most secretive animal testing labs and performs toxicology tests on a contract basis for pharmaceutical companies. The only way to get footage from animal testing laboratories is to go undercover. Um, it's very difficult and they're highly paranoid, but uh, we found the right person to get this person in there. Of course, we are using state-of-the-art hidden camera technology. So you have to be very careful because they are looking for stuff like this. I've worked in an animal testing laboratory undercover 16 years ago, so I know what's going on. But when I saw this footage, I was so shocked because nothing has changed in 16 years. The same cages, the same poor conditions, and no enrichment at all. We found several law breaches, beginning from cruelty to the animals, like uh, very rough handling, even a sadistic worker who, uh, who smashed the head of a monkey against the doorframe. 
very, very small cages and uh, the dog, uh, dog experiments where dogs uh, bleeded heavily and died on the bare floor of these uh, enclosures where they were held. These tests are so unreliable, so bad science, you can just leave them away. You don't need them. This is an industry that is addicted by this uh, bad practice to earn their money. And uh, for example, contract research organizations like the LPT. Many people, campaigners and scientists alike, argue the overall validity of animal experiments as they are fundamentally not the same as humans. Unsurprisingly, as we here in the UK often describe ourselves as a nation of animal lovers, we were in fact the first country in the world to enforce specific restrictions and regulations on using animals in research. The Cruelty to Animals Act came into force in 1876 and made it an offence to perform experiments on a living animal that would cause pain unless for advancing physiological knowledge, saving or prolonging life or alleviating suffering. Other regulations included allowing only scientists to perform experiments and requiring a license before experiments were permitted. Recently, the topic of debarking dogs used in animal testing has been highlighted in the media. A spokesperson for the US National Institute of Health stated that vocal cordectomies conducted humanely under anesthesia can be used in research facilities where numerous dogs are present. He went on to say that this is to reduce noise which is not only stressful to the animals, but can also reach decibel levels that exceed the OSHA allowable limits for people and can lead to hearing loss. Whilst testing organizations claim that vocal cordectomies, or what is otherwise known as debarking, is for the safety of workers and to make a less stressful environment for the dogs being used in experiments, many animal rights organizations strongly disagree. This is what a debarked dog sounds like. Dr. Amelia Gordon says the procedure can cause swelling, bleeding, infection, and scarring, and has been banned in Alberta and Nova Scotia. As a veterinarian, I have seen dogs who have had devocalization and have had complications, or often uh, what's really sad is they just they continue to bark for all those same reasons, and they're sort of suffering in, in silence, so to speak, because they, they can't really communicate that... Um, that they, they need something. You, you can imagine if a person lost their ability to speak uh, because of vocal cord damage, what that would do to them psychologically. They would feel as though their ability to communicate with their surrounds uh, was, was taken from them. And they'd get quite anxious and frantic. And the same thing happens with dogs. Under the 2006 Animal Welfare Act, Debarking dogs became prohibited in the UK due to it being deemed cruel and dangerous. Dogs undergoing the surgery are put at risk of hemorrhage, infection, injury to the larynx and adverse reaction to anaesthesia and causes a great deal of post-operative pain. In the long term, cordectomy creates scarred tissue in the back of the throat narrowing it permanently and making dogs more susceptible to breathing difficulties, choking on food, suffering from chronic throat inflammation and regularly gasping and coughing. 
However, the UK legislation has created a critical loophole for lab animals and has excluded them from any level of protection from the Animal Welfare Act. Essentially, the government is saying that it is one rule for pets and another for animals used in testing. Laboratory animals are instead regulated by the Animals in Scientific Procedures Act of 1986. As confirmed by the Home Office, this act allows cordectomy to be performed on dogs used in experiments. Camp Beagle UK stated that this is a betrayal to the dogs and an indefensible double standard that protects some dogs and abuses others. 76% of people polled by organisation YouGov said that they would not be likely to leave money in their will to a charity that is involved in conducted tests on animals. But what most people don't know is that major UK charities such as Cancer Research UK and the British Heart Foundation fund a variety of experiments on animals. The problem is, people don't talk about animal testing. But what can we, the public, do about it? Many are calling for the inclusion of lab animals in the Animal Welfare Act. Laboratory animals are currently not protected by the Act and are therefore victims of unnecessary suffering. The vast majority of testing is done on mice, rats and fish. But there are also increasing in testing on dogs, including puppies, as we've heard, a 3% rise since last year, and horses, a 29% rise in the last decade, to name just two species. Millions of animals live their whole lives interned in laboratories without love or infection. Tens of thousands endure treatment which is deemed severe. Were any of us here today to carry out these practices on an animal in our care, we would be arrested. And yet laboratory animals' pain is no less than other animals' pain. Their lives are worth no less than any other animal's life. And I believe, Mr Chair, that we should recognise this and enshrine their rights in the Animal Welfare Act. A petition was started for this in 2020 and received over 110,000 signatures from the public, meaning that Parliament had to respond. Better using. Considering this, it strikes me as unbelievable that in this professed nation of animal lovers, laboratory animals, which we must not forget includes dogs and cats, that many of us take into our homes to love, care for and enrich our lives are categorically excluded from the Animal Welfare Act. Therefore, by default, the current Animal Welfare Act endorses laboratory animals undergoing what can only be deemed as necessary suffering. In fact, the government response to the petition confirms this when it states there is an explicit exclusion under the Animal Welfare Act 2006 to provide for the legitimate conduct of procedures on protected animals for scientific or educational purposes that may cause pain, suffering, distress or lasting harm. In other words, the Animal Welfare Act legalises, for example, the daily force feeding of chemicals directly into the stomachs of factory farm puppies without pain relief or anaesthetic. It would be helpful if the Minister could enlighten us today about what exactly scientific or educational purpose of this particular procedure actually fulfils. Their statement concluded that the government has no plans to amend the Animal Welfare Act of 2006 
and that they consider enabling the properly regulated use of animals in science is essential to improving the health of lives of humans and animals and to the safety and sustainability of our environment. Underpinning this is a strong commitment to a rigorous regulatory framework that fully implements the three R's and the continued development of non-animal alternatives. Non-animal alternatives or non-animal methods are phrases that come up a lot in these media outlets when discussing animal testing. Essentially, this is the world continuously moving toward a future that's dominated by sophisticated methods that use human cells, tissues and organs, 3D printing, robotics, computer models and other technologies to create experiments that do not rely on animals. Non-animal methods represent the very latest techniques that science has to offer, providing countless possibilities to improve our understanding and treatment of human diseases and can only continue to improve over time. The case for invasive animal research is further weakened by consideration of the large and growing array of non-animal or non-harmful alternatives. Uh, these are described at great length in my book, but a few examples include simply mechanisms initially to ensure better uh, sharing of existing data, much of which is locked up inside the commercial files of chemical companies and drug companies and excluded from the public domain. So that's an important first step. There are a variety of different positives that make non-animal methods a much better option to testing on animals. Not only are animal tests time-consuming and expensive, but they don't accurately mimic how the human body and human diseases respond to drugs chemicals or treatments, which can mean results aren't producing accurate and useful information. But largely, there are many diseases that humans get that animals simply do not. One idea that's frequently raised as a counter to animal testing is that if humans want to benefit from new treatments, drugs and research, we should instead offer ourselves as the test subjects. That's quite a simplified and extreme view, and in most countries, animal tests are actually required by law before drugs are given to humans. But there are carefully controlled forms of human testing that do have the potential to reduce animal use without endangering human health. One such method is microdosing, where humans receive a new drug in such tiny quantities that it doesn't have broad physiological impacts yet there's just enough circulating in the system to measure its impact on individual cells. So what do these alternatives mean for the future of animal testing? Well, in some areas of research, like cosmetics testings, where so many existing products have already been proved safe through animal studies, there's a growing recognition that testing new products is something we really don't need to advance in this industry. That's borne out by regulations like one put forward by the European Union, which now bans animal testing on any cosmetic products that are produced and sold within the EU. So as of March 2013, in the EU, cosmetic companies are no longer allowed to test their finished products on animals, nor use raw materials in their products that have been known to be tested on animals. But Cruelty Free International, this is the organization that gives the Leaping Bunny certification for cruelty free products, are saying that this ban didn't do much good because these companies are exploiting loopholes. Cruelty Free International is now calling on ECHA, which is a European chemical agency, to change their policies. And ECHA confirmed later that this ban does not apply 
the raw materials in which testing is required for non-cosmetic industries or due to worker safety. So basically, if an ingredient is being used for pharmaceuticals and is tested on animals, cosmetic companies can still use that same raw material. And also due to workers' exposure safety, they would test on animals. You could also still use that in cosmetic products. And this would not violate the EU law. So now, Cruelty Free International is urging its cosmetic companies to not use these loopholes and as well as call on ECHA to allow this law to be implemented how it was intended. As bleak and harrowing as the vivisection industry is, there are thankfully some organisations coming together to bring hope to the millions of animals that have been sacrificed in the name of science. Some researchers are pushing scientific boundaries to identify new methods that will ultimately make animal testing redundant in the EU. Peter says, Experiments on animals are cruel, expensive, and they produce dangerously misleading results that are generally inapplicable to humans. With this in mind, the world's most forward-thinking scientists are developing and using methods for studying diseases and testing products that replace the use of animals and are actually relevant to human health. You've been listening to At What Cost, Puppy Killing and MBR. The music you can hear is Punkade in solidarity with the MBR Beagles. All links and sources are linked in the description.